God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John 4, chapter 24. And as we are assembled here again tonight to do that very thing, to sing songs to his name and to pray to him, we'll turn our attention to our lesson tonight. will be part three of our series of lessons from the crucifixion. And this opening slide. So far... Throughout the series, we have considered the Lord's Supper as well as the trial of our Lord through those moments that he, that he bore and all the way coming up to, to Pilate tonight. One, one statement that our Lord said, a kingdom not of this world. That'll be our study for tonight, that one kingdom, that one body, that one church that you and I are a part of. Tonight we'll look at the warnings of denominationalism and we'll each ask our questions of ourselves or how are we living and being a member in that kingdom. The promise made in Daniel chapter 14, I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 7 verse 14, one of the most greatest prophecies to that kingdom if you would like to be turning there, Daniel chapter 7, verse 14, reads as follows. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Also that great promise that Jesus made from himself in Matthew 16, verse 18. But for this prophecy here in, that Daniel recorded for us, we note that it's for all nations, anybody living in any country, in any age, no matter their race, can be a part of it if they simply obey what God has set forth. We can appreciate also the very statement that Joe read for us in our, in our hearing earlier tonight from John chapter 18 verse 36 and 37. Now here Jesus was. He was brought before Pilate. And Pilate asked him a question from all the things that he had heard of from, from those around the Roman Empire. And Pilate asked him, beginning in verse 35, he says, Pilate, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then, should, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. So often we see throughout the world that, and throughout denominationalism that individuals like to attach their church or their denomination to the physical things of life. But Jesus said here in the midst of Pilate with calmness and in his demeanor, no doubt, that my kingdom is not of this world. His citizens that would be a part of it are not entangled in the world, or at least they shouldn't be. 
they also they look to the promises that lie before for eternal life. And that physical, spiritual realm, the church that makes up you and me. We are the church. Also, Paul could say by inspiration in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, that there is one body. And we can appreciate in a verse like that the singleness that the Lord only purchased one body. And also, if you would like to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, we're also given another description of the church. Tied to, tie, as Paul uses there, tied to, to marriage. I'll begin reading in verses 23, starting at 23 through 27. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present unto himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. We can also appreciate in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. We appreciate there we understand who is head of the body, the church, that kingdom not of this world. For he is head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Going back to that verse in verse 25 of the Ephesians chapter 5 passage, we then can see that, or I'm sorry, verse 23, that he is the Savior of the body. So we can conclude that for that, if one is not in the body, then that one cannot be saved. And if there's only one, that one cannot be a part of two or three or claim to be a part of four differing groups when the Lord only promised one. So the one may ask the question, how, do I, how does one become a part of that body? In Galatians 3.27, one of the strongest passages that we could probably turn to in outlining that, the description of baptism throughout the plan of salva salvation, salvation. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We may notice that these, those individuals as well as us are baptized into something. They're baptized into, into Christ, another reference to the church. Also from Acts chapter 2, verse 47, when the church began on the day of Pentecost and Peter preached the first gospel sermon, he preached to a crowd and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. Remission of sins and salvation can be obtained if we simply obey what, what the Holy Spirit has commanded for us to do. So 
So with those things in mind, and as we come to our next slide, we can appreciate a very troubling reality, a prophecy that the New Testament delivers for, deliver, delivers for us. Two, on two occasions throughout the New Testament, if you would like to be turning to Acts chapter 20, we're given a very strong description of a departure of the faith that would occur after the time of the apostles and those warnings that were given. In Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 29 through 31, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn, I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. We then see here Paul's warning of what would happen for them to be on guard, for them to watch out for those wolves that would come in. Also, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, in verses 1 through 6, another warning is, to grip, is given in, in, more, in more detail. Again, 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verses 1 through 6. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. So this is the Holy Spirit through, through Paul. That in the latter times shall, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisies, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving, of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. We then see another description of things that would come to pass by the, this, this group, these individuals known as the Catholic Church. And the very thing that Paul predicted here did come to pass, as we're going to know in, note in just a moment. But our command for us in the year 2019 it still remains the same in Ephesians 4, 4 and 6. There is one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. But looking at that departure, we can then uh, see that history records for us that that occurred in the year 325 A.D. at the Council of Nicaea. Those groups, the, the church, the Church of Christ met, as well as those that, have depart, that had departed from the faith, those in the Roman Empire, and they discussed those matters over the concerns that they, they had, and they, they started their own denomination. And from that very time, we can then appreciate the reality of this timeline 
I know it's not all that clear. I tried to make it as big as I could here for us to see, but we get the idea of what happened from that time of the Council of Nicaea there in eighty three twenty five. Continuing on, what happened in the Catholic Church? What they continue to do? Things like purgatory, the Pope declared unfallible, and selling of indulgences. the confession booth, and then from then on, on into the Reformation, Reformation movement led by Martin Luther, and then from that, the, split, the splits that continue to occur, occur from that and into what we can appreciate today. Going back to that one slide, but Jesus did predict of this, taking it all the way to the time of judgment, really, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. For many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? But I will profess unto them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. These individuals in this description, they were religious. They were religiously wrong. They thought they knew the Lord, but sadly the Lord didn't know them because he didn't establish their, their doctrine, their denomination. And I found it interesting in verse 24, the way Jesus puts that before us. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And we must continue to do what God wants us to do, not putting forth our own opinions or thoughts. That, just like as we see, as so many in the world have turned to do that. And going back to that chart. This chart is from the World Video Bible School. Don Blackwell and his team have, have made some excellent videos related to this and, the, and put those out there for individuals to consider. And with a little bit of research I was able to do today, or really this was an old, uh, uh, possibly an old accurate statement uh, taken from a, really a couple years ago that there is approximately 40,000 Christian denominations in our world today. No doubt stemmed many of these from the major groups, the major denominations of this timeline as they occurred through history. But again in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church. He did not say churches. He did not promise to build 40,000 denominations Four, even 4,000, not even 400, not even two, but one. One church. And then we can continue to see that these splits still continue to take, to take effect over doctrinal matters, worship practices, salvation issues, when the Holy Spirit has delivered by inspiration to us the answer in this book. It's not left for our, our thoughts or our opinions or what we might wish for it to think to say. 
But we can then see individuals in our day, individuals like Joel Osteen, Joseph Prince, and a whole host of others that are on TV nearly every day. And after their televised sermon, if I can call it that, they'll make the claim, all you've got to do is believe, say this prayer, and you'll be saved. But friend, the reality is that prayer, the sinner's prayer as it's sometimes called, is not found in the New Testament anywhere. It's a sad reality to realize what many have come to, how many, the world, quite frankly, has gotten away from the teaching of the Bible. And that brings us to, to us today in the church. So with the church of Christ that we are so blessed to be a part of, that one body, it is time for us to examine ourselves. As I have tried to list for you on this slide, the term affiliation, it's not uncommon at all to, whether in conversation with someone or, or maybe even in, a, in an obituary in the newspaper, to say he or she was affiliated with the Church of Christ. Now let's ask ourselves a question. What does it mean to be affiliated with the Church of Christ? The New Testament knows nothing of it. The New Testament declares either we're a member of it or we're not. We're either faithfully serving it or we're not. And this can come in many forms, but one of the strongest warnings that we see, if you would be turning to Matthew chapter 13, the parable chapter of the Bible, as it's called, Jesus delivers to us a very strong warning In chapter 13, beginning in verses 37 and 43. Now, he had already delivered the parable to them, to the, uh, uh, his disciples and, and the, on this occasion. But they were a little unsure un of the interpretation of it, so they asked unto him, in verse 36, declaring to us the parable of the tares of the field. Jesus begins in verse 37 like this. He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The son of man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Going back up to verse 41, this is a judgment descriptive of the kingdom. Now the kingdom's the church. We've done we've we've made that clear tonight. So this is a judgment that the church is going to feel. Individuals that maybe claim to be a member of it, but they really weren't. And this can come in any forms in some individuals' lives. Maybe this person supported sin. <clears throat> 
in Romans chapter 1, verse 32. For knowing the judgment of God, they that which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now, they didn't commit the sin in particular, but by way of supporting that sin, whether that be through voting for an individual in an election that supported homosexuality, abortion, the list could go on. A verse like this teaches that that person is guilty of that too. And also, we're asked a question from Jesus. And this is really hits all of us home with priorities in each of our lives surrounding the material, ble the material blessings that we have. We, buy, we live in a country that is really one of the most blessed countries in the entire world. And yet in Mark chapter 8, verses 35 and 38, Jesus speaking there says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Those are probably one of the most two daunting questions throughout the entirety of the New Testament that our world struggles with today. Many in our, we see today, put things before God. If they're members of the church, they put things before the church. And friends, if we do that, we are guilty of idolatry. We may not physically bow down and worship that thing, but if we put matters of the church, if we put the matters of those things, those material blessings over those of the church, then we're guilty of just that thing. We're told by Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's that word kingdom again, dealing with the church. And all these things shall be added unto you. Question, what things? What things will be added to us? Jesus delivered that in the pre previous verses, the necessities of life. Things like our clothing, our food. So we ought not worry about where those things are coming from, but God has promised if we seek the kingdom first, if we put the church first, and put him first in our lives, those things are promised to us. And not allowing the material blessings to, to rule our lives, but to always be thankful for them and always understand where they come from. And these can come in many forms. Our house, our car, our jobs, and probably one of the biggest things is money. Continuing down that list, what about the issue of elderships in congregations? You know, there it's not uncommon to hear about things, and even in the Church of Christ specifically, that an eldership supports a member that's openly living in sin. There's 
things of that nature going on in a congregation not five miles from where we're sitting tonight of that very thing taking place. Maybe this individual is openly living in, in fornication and to keep tension down with, with himself, they're coming to services. They're, they may be even putting a large amount in the collection plate on Sunday morning. So it's not uncommon for the elderships to have an attitude of we'll just leave that situation alone. We'll not go with the steps of withdrawing a fellowship if that's what needs to be in order. But friend, if we turn to the New Testament, the inspired writer Paul did not say that. We're given that description in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 and 8 of that very thing that was going on in that congregation. He told them, your glorying is not good. Maybe this individual is a good and honest person, but that didn't matter. He had married, he was, he had married his, his, his stepmother and he was living in fornication. But we have to take all those things into consideration that we are faced with and overcome them. And we must be a faithful Christian each and every day. Because, friends, once we close our life in death, our eternity is sealed. It won't matter if we claim to be affiliated with the Church of Christ that the destruction that will lie before us. In Hebrews 9, 27, we're told, As it's appointed unto men, unto man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. One more chart, again, from World Video Bible School of Don Blackwell and his team had put together. There's only one of two options that will be out each of our, our fate when we close our eyes in death or at the day of judgment. You may notice that narrow gate that is depicted at, above where the realm of paradise and the wide gate connected the world at, at torment, that place known as Tartarus of the using the original Greek word of that place, not of the uh, Hadean realm. Jesus says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. And if we dumb ourselves into thinking that we can meander through this life and be affiliated with the church, we will send our souls straight to an eternity in hell. Because once we close our eyes in death, our eternity is set. And we each fall into one of, one, to, into one of these two major categories. There is no third option. There is no purgatory, as some in the Catholic denomination like to claim there is. Because Jesus gave us that very description of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. So for our conclusion tonight, we've learned valuable lessons so far in this series from the crucifixion and death of our Savior. 
this one simple phrase that Jesus made was enough to prompt this whole lesson tonight, a kingdom not of this world. The lesson's yours tonight. And I want each of us to examine ourselves if we're a faithful member of that kingdom. And if you die tonight, ask yourself, where would you be? Or if the Lord comes back. Personally, on November 28th, or I'm sorry, November 18th, 2006, my grandmother on my mother's side of the family closed her eyes in death. And although that was a sad time for us, I was only a small, small child. But looking back on that, it can give one great comfort knowing that she died a member of a kingdom, not of this world. And for anybody that's lost a loved one that has died a member in that kingdom, it, it, it gives us great peace because knowing that when we die, if we've been faithful until the day of judgment, we'll be able to see them again. And, this time, and that time, it'll be for an eternity in our spiritual form. And we can live in such a way that we can be like, like Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give unto me in that day, but not to me only, but to all them that love is appearing. Tonight, do you love his, will you love his appearing if he comes back? The sinner won't love his appearing because the sinner knows where his eternity will be. If you've never obeyed the gospel tonight, we can assist you in that. We'll be glad to. And that plan of salvation, the New Testament records it for us like this. You have to hear the word, Romans 10, 17. You have to believe with all your heart, Mark 16, 15. You have to repent of the sins in your life, Luke 13, 3. You have to confess his name, Jesus' name, as the Son of God, Romans 10, 9. And lastly, you have to be immersed in water. It's called baptism for the remission of your sins, Acts 2.38. The Lord will then add you to that body, that church. And if you remain faithful until death, Revelation 2.10, heaven will be your home. But if you have become a member of that body at some former day, but upon realization of your life, you know that maybe you can say, I've just been affiliated with the church. I've not given it my life and my all. Come down this aisle tonight. We'll pray for you. God's promised to forgive, just as he has promised in 1 John chapter 1-9. If you'll confess that, we'll pray for you. No one will look down on you, but we will be happy to do that. If that be the need of your life tonight, won't you come? Even now, while together we stand and sing.